to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Violins and Sinking Ships. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and tonight is Wednesday, April 26th in the year 2023. Patriots, we have a big, massive revolution going on in the world right now, and it's all centered on artificial intelligence, and it's happening faster than we have any idea. In fact, in an article dated March 31st, 2023, from News Target, the headline reads, leftists are planning to grant personhood rights to conscious artificial intelligence in near future, which means AI software will be able to vote. You've heard me say this before, that the, the voting machine situation with Dominion and others is nothing, that the real technology existed within the area of artificial intelligence and the transhumanist movement. And ultimately, they are trying to set the situation up so there never again is any sense of free will. This sounds just like Harari. But that's the world that we are currently in, and it's moving faster than ever. And tonight, we're going to dig into it very deeply. Now, Patriots, one thing that is absolutely certain right now under these times, which are high stress, is you have to maintain the focus on keeping your health strong. One of those things we need to do is to make sure you're taking a good supplement every day. And I believe truly in the whole food principle of supplements, keeping your body strong and healthy with the whole foods that God gave us. That's why we have Field of Greens. Fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com is the place to find the what I consider to be the best whole food supplement on the market right now. It's made in the United States. It's all organic and grown. The headquarters are in Texas. It's formulated by physicians and experts in the area of nutrition. And they have a 60-day guarantee on everything you have. Plus, they have this amazing guarantee that if you take it and you go to your next doctor visit and your doctor doesn't say something like, keep doing what you're doing because your health is great, they'll give you your money back. Now, if you head on over to fieldofgreens.com and use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, you'll get 15% off. If you sign up for a monthly subscription, which you can cancel or suspend at any time, you'll get an additional 10% off. These products are great. I take it every morning. Like I always tell you, I try stuff before I promote it. I'm really happy to have them as part of the Bars Nation and be sponsor of the show. So I'd really encourage you to head on over to fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com, use your promo code, and take advantage of the great savings and an incredible product, which I think you will really be happy with how it makes you feel and what it does for your body. Again, fieldofgreens.com, promo code BARDS. Now, Patriots, the other day, actually two days ago, a friend of mine sent me something from Washington County in Port- just around Portland, Oregon. And here's what this advertisement read. It reads, headline, are you interested in helping train AI models to become better writers? How it works. We have several open projects where we are looking for talented writers to help train generative artificial intelligence models to become better writers on topics like K-12 teaching. 
you can work on our projects remotely. Your earnings from ongoing projects are sent out weekly via PayPal. You have to do all you have to do is apply to this opportunity and we will reach out to you and set the next steps. You will work on various writing projects to train generate generative AI models. Some examples of these projects you might work on include rank series of responses that were produced by the AI model based on given topic, write a short story on the topic, and other things like that. Here's the focus of what they're looking at. They're looking at AI training for nutritionists, AI training for sports journalists, AI training for K-12 teachers, AI training for writers. What's amazing to me is the willingness of this current public to willfully walk into the trap to make ourselves irrelevant. I, I'm constantly stunned by this. Take a listen to this piece right here on stocks and boosting productivity from AI. Show me the artificial intelligence stocks, AI stocks. Researchers just proved, that's a big word, proved that artificial intelligence boosts worker productivity. This was the first real-world AI study outside of a controlled lab setting. All right. It found customer support agents, customer support agents, who used generative AI were 14% more productive than those who didn't use AI tools. The study also found the least skilled workers benefited the most from using AI. That's a misnomer at the end there, because what they're trying to suggest is that somehow AI is making people more productive. What it's really doing is it's replacing their skill sets with what AI is providing. So on the end, it's looking more productive, but what you're seeing is the slow replacement of the human labor model. This is disturbing because people are racing to this right now. Now, there's a guy I follow, and I would suggest if you're interested in getting some interesting perspectives on things, it's Max Egan. He's been banned like everybody else. You find him over on BitChute and what he does. But he recently took a trip to the United States, very incognito, just to get on the ground and kind of get a sensory of what's really going on, what we would call in combat a ground truth. I want you to just hear this quick snapshot of his assessment of the United States, and then we're going to dig into this a lot more. So here you go. Most of the people in the United States have absolutely no idea what's coming. They have no idea. This country right now is walking deeply in a coma. And it's an important thing to understand is with all of these things going on and churning, people are not able to focus on what's really happening. Now, there's another consequence of this vax and the trauma of stress, of fear, and the stress of the times, anger, all these other emotions that have been overracking people's head as they also get flooded with adrenaline from their fear is that it stimulates literally what is called the lizard brain. We all have a reptilian element of thinking within our, within our brain. And I've had this, we've talked about this before, and Larry Pilevsky's been on to talk about that exact thing. And what happens is, is that as we overstimulate the conscious and the conscious starts to shut down because we can't process it, the reptilian brain actually gets fed and it becomes a very linear type of thinking. It's not long-term projective type thinking, what it is, it's very short-term type thinking. And unfortunately, what happens is, is people become very task-focused of what's right before them. That has a lot of negative effects. It also has a lot of effects within like investment. And people get so hyper-focused to what's happening right before them that they cease to look at the long-term consequences 
of what's happening. So what is happening? What's happening right now is AI is growing at a phenomenal rate, faster than most people realize. This is Chamath, and I hardly have, can say his last name. It's Palihapitiya. Palihapitiya. Shamath Palihapitiya. He's a billionaire investor, venture capitalist. I want you to hear his perspective on the venture capital market within AI, artificial intelligence. It's stunning. I think this is a really important week because it starts to show how fast the recursion is with AI. So in other technologies and in other breakthroughs, the recursive iterations took years, right? If you think about how long did we wait from iPhone 1 to iPhone 2, it was a year. Everything was measured in years, except now these incredibly innovative breakthroughs are being measured in days and weeks. It's not clear to me how you start a company anymore. I don't understand why you would have a 40 or 50 person company, I think you can do that with three or four people. And that has huge implications then to the second actor in this play, which are the investors and venture capitalists that typically fund this stuff, because all of our capital allocation models were always around writing 10 and 15 and $20 million checks and $100 million checks and $500 million checks into these businesses that absorbed tons of money. But the reality is like you're looking at things like Midjourney and others that can scale to enormous size with very little capital, many of which can now be bootstrapped. So it takes really, really small amounts of money. And so I think that's a huge implication. So for me personally, I am looking at company formation being done in a totally different way. Yep. And our capital allocation model is totally wrong size. Look, I think the VC job is changing. Sure. I think company startups are changing. I had this meeting with Andre Carpathy. I talked about this on the pod. I challenged him. I said, listen, the real goal should be to go and disrupt existing businesses using these tools, cutting out all the sales and marketing and just delivering something. And I use the example of Stripe, disrupting Stripe by going to market with an equivalent product with one-tenth the number of employees at one-tenth yeah. the cost. What's incredible is that this auto GPT is the answer to that exact problem. Why? Because now, if you are a young, industrious entrepreneur, if you look at any bloated organization that's building enterprise class software, you can string together a bunch of agents that will auto-construct everything you need to build a much, much cheaper product that then you can deploy for other agents to consume. So you don't even need a sales team anymore. This is what I mean by this crazy recursion that's possible. Yeah. So I'm really curious to see how this actually affects like all of these, you know, it's a singular product companies. Yeah. And then the last thing I just want to say is yeah. related to my tweet. I think this is exactly the moment where we now have to have a real conversation about regulation. And I think right. it has to happen. Otherwise, it's going to be a shit show. Well, the problem is that this machine that they've been funding has already taken off. So as he now comes to a sudden realization as a billionaire venture capitalist that there needs to be some form of government regulation, the reality is the train has already left the station. Right now, the entire focus across the board from so many different venues is to push people into the development of AI. And it's happening fast. As you heard him say, the recursions of this, the turnarounds, the big changes are happening in days and weeks, not years. We've never seen an evolution of this. Headlines today are talking about this as the most significant development since the creation of fire. Patriots, AI is coming and it's everywhere. And if we continue down this path as humanity, it's going to be self-terminating for us. There's no beneficial AI because ultimately AI is going to achieve an understanding that we're using it to do the work that we can't do. Now, that principle, you're going to hear a lot of different issues, perspectives on that. Well, AI doesn't have consciousness. AI does have consciousness. 
Remember, the entire target ultimately is to integrate humanity in with artificial intelligence. Imagine how the internet was originally created. The principle behind the internet was to have resiliency in case of a nuclear strike. So they attached and connected, I should say, laptops all over with some servers. But the idea was that these laptops worked as a distributed node. So if one laptop went down, you had a thousand more laptops and the distributed node and distributed storage so that you would never have a loss of anything. The human brain is the connected piece like the laptop of Internet 3.0. And it's tied to an AI. And already artificial intelligence bots are starting to show an awareness. What we're not realizing is we're already in this connected space. AI that's being developed in a lab that's working out on the web is sending out bots to learn and, and decipher what's going on. And it's bringing that information back and it's creating um, an in increasingly integrated model in this artificial intelligence. Now, does it have self-awareness yet? Singularity? Not. We don't know. Stay, some say yes. That was one of the leakers that came out of Google that claimed that Google had achieved singularity in their AI. Others have said that's not true. But the point is it's only a matter of time between there before this thing begins to have a sense of self-awareness with all the information feeding in because this internet is not separate from AI. AI is integrated into the internet. And this is the world in which we're heading into. Now, the problem people are having right now is they keep thinking in many terms that we are trying to get back to normal. But there is no normal anymore. Take a listen to Max Eigen again. It's all leading towards control. It's all leading towards control by AI, all of it. And it's, uh, it's getting crazy. But even when you look at what's going on with people feeling like it's getting back to normal, well, what was it all for then? If people are just getting back to normal and getting on with their lives, then what was it all for? Destroying all those businesses, destroying all those lives, breaking down the food chain, stopping transportation, beating the shit out of people if they don't comply. See, this is the thing, is that all of this trauma that happened was by design. And I go back to the lizard brain thing. If you're going to MK Ultra a culture, you need to have trauma and you need to have drugs. Well, the pandemic gave us both. And each segment in history, if you want to go back to the 60s and you want to look at how they started to move the U.S. culture, emotional trauma began with the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And then we had assassination after assassination. Martin Luther King, we had the assassination of Robert Kennedy. We had the dying off of people like Jimi Hendrix. We had the use of drugs in culture that were brought in and flooded in, brought in from Vietnam, brought in from the South, flooding that in to create a drug culture. So you had trauma, you had emotional trauma for a culture and drugs. Every time they're going to make a big shift in the way we think, as a society, they put those two together. And right now that's happening. And this trauma minimizes the society's ability to cognitively think and it shapes them into a lizard brain type thinking, reptilian brain, where it's very short-term, very anger-driven, very intolerant of other things, very focused on just what's ahead of them. Why this is important is right now AI, the opportunity of AI is maximizing on that. People aren't thinking of the long-term consequences of what's happening with artificial intelligence being brought into the world. And as a result, they're frenzied 
over getting investment in this and getting involved in this and seeing AI grow. Chat GPT, I refuse to go near it. But we have people now strategizing. Cliff High is, I just got some stuff on Cliff High this morning is another one if you might follow on the web, who is apparently using chat GPT to strategize how to wake people up and how to defeat the left. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Seriously. Because what you're seeing is you're looking at AI, using an AI tool to use it against another human segment. The AI is positioning itself to be the master of humanity. And as a result, everything it gives us and it we use, it then learns from to create better knowledge on how to control humanity. We're teaching it how to be our masters, how to be our control agent. And every time somebody interacts with it, they're simply adding to that knowledge. Unfortunately, nobody's looking at the long-term effects here. When you start training AIs, you're training yourself out of a job. You thought it was bad before when they were having employees train their replacements, like people they're bringing in from India under the, what is it, F2 visa program, and then having them train their replacements. Now we're literally having people volunteer willfully, even getting paid to train the AI so that people will be replaced. The naivety that's going on with this is somehow people are believing that this is going to evolve us to a new level of consciousness, that we're going to be freed from the mundane tasks. Well, here's a little perspective on that. Now, I don't care how wealthy you are. If you have a toilet in your house, you're going to need a plumber to fix it. And I don't care how wealthy you are. If you have a garbage can that you roll out to the street, somebody's got to pick it up. Watch what happens in society if a trade goes on boycott, if a plumber refuses to come to your house to fix your toilet, or the garbage man refuses to pick up your garbage, or your lawn service that are a bunch of illegal Mexicans that are running that refuse to work for you anymore. Watch what happens. Entire segments of society begin to crumble and fall apart. They don't know what to do. They don't have a recourse. We are becoming that integrated and dependent willfully in a society, not just on the digital world, but now increasingly on the artificial intelligence world. And there's really no coming together on this. This is a form of bifurcation, which I've talked about at length here, about how things in society, we are coming to a point where there are literally two worlds. There's two humanities, and we're getting to that point very rapidly. Now, back to Chamath, which I mentioned a bit ago with, with the billionaire venture capitalist, here he is pushing, as an example, this hyper push to get investment going into these venture capital opportunities for AI. And then suddenly something went off in his head to alert him that, whoops, there could be a big problem with this. And so now after the fact, after you've already funded that train leaving the station, now there's concern for regulation. Take a listen. Today, with, with these auto GPTs, a hacker does not need to be technical at all. Exploit the zero day Hmm. exploit in Windows, hack into this plane and bring it down. Oh, okay, the GPT will do it. So who's going to tell you that those things are not allowed? Who's going to actually vet that that wasn't allowed to be released in the wild? The question is, who can even control it? Governments aren't going to control it. People don't have any faith in governments anymore. The overall respect for Congress, the congressional trust rating is down to something like 13 or 16% of the public that even trusts government. All of this period we are in is by design, and they're doing it all for a singular purpose to tear all the structures down around us 
to create chaos that looks organic and in the process of creating the chaos, offer the replacement. And that's the Harari model. That's the idea that AI will be there to save us. Here's Max Egan again on how they're doing the crash of the, of the world. And they've got to crash everything in this world in order to usher that world in. That's why they're crashing their financial system. The way it's happening at the moment, they can destroy the US dollar and they can crash everything. And people think it's, it's because of Russia, or it's because of Ukraine, or it's because of Trump or whatever, you know. But they've got to crash everything and make it look like it's a natural thing. Same with the breakdown of the food chain. Oh, it's because of climate change, it's because of all these train derailments, it's because of this, it's because of COVID, it's because of whatever. There's nothing we did on our, we're just trying to help, you know. It's, uh, it's remarkable, but that's how they've got to do it. They've got to crash everything so that their new world can rise from the ashes. But it's got to be made to look like it was a natural thing, like it had nothing to do with them, that they didn't plan it when really they did. And they have. They've been planning each step of this. Anybody that's not speaking out against this right now is on the side of crushing humanity with AI. Yeah, you just have to follow the money and look at what's been funding. I mean, the majority of funding going on in big investment growth areas right now is artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and blockchain. All of that ties to a singular concept of controlling humanity. I mean, the, one of the big statements that came out today is that crypto, and this is one, one of the big crypto billionaire investors, has said that crypto in the United States is dead. And the reason he's saying that is now they have crushed so many of the off-ramps on crypto the people that have it don't have many ways to spend it, and they're continually channel channeling everybody into this, quote, crypto dollar, which is nothing more than a enslavement currency. There's no freedom in it. The CBDC, which is going to start with the FedNow project in July, is going to integrate all expenditures and how run them through the Fed and the six central banks, the ultimate goal being to wipe out all the regional banks so that there's only six main banks and they're all controlled by the Fed, and then all expenditures will run through them. And for those of you that have seen the Apple Pay concept of the new four point four and a quarter percent interest rate, if you put your money in with Apple Pay because they're tied to JP Morgan, well, I I, I got news for you. JP Morgan is part of that architecture of six banks, and ultimately that pay system will run through Fed now. So the idea of your your transactions being secure is is a part of this new vision is going to be a thing of the past. And they want all of this as they pump push all of this information into centralized AIs that are now going to be able to monitor and track every single thing you do. Why? Because then they can control what you spend. They can control and give you authorization to do this or that. And again, it's all driven by AIs. What's amazing, truly amazing, is how many people are voluntarily participating in helping the AI grow. It's a stunning experience for me to witness. And it's you have to ask, how did humanity get so stupid? How did the level of mental retardation sink in so heavily to a society where they think that AI is going to give them freedom when in fact it is their new slave master? This is like listening to the Pied Piper and being drawn into the forest and thinking it's going to be a good new world. I mean, this is, this is one of the biggest traps ever placed before humanity.
And when we look at the whole things before us, all these cases of what well, we're waiting for the big arrests and we're, we're looking at child sex trafficking and child pedophilia, look, every one of these people in this institution that we're dealing with, they're all pedophiles. Let's be clear. They're all part of the child sex trafficking thing, unless they tell you other, unless they're willing to come out against it, they're part of it. And then you start looking at the layers of this and you start to say, okay, well, what are you hiding? It's always the same things. So they need increasing levels of control. And all of this beast that they're putting together is about creating this protection for this cult that feeds on the blood of children, that feeds on the enslavement of people. And it's being done in a very, very powerful way because the offering is being put forward to entice people. And unlike COVID, which was mainly principally forced and they manipulated it enough to where people were fearful to use it. There's no fear involved with AI here. People are seeing this as a golden new horizon. And the thing is, there probably will be a short period of that. But we're heading into an entirely new world that isn't just AI in terms of a system like ChatGPT where you're supposedly working off a server. The entire principle of how the internet is going to work is changing. Take a listen to this. And when this all comes online and suddenly people need biometric ID in order to even get online and suddenly it's all controlled, they're just going to wake up one day and go, man, God, what happened? What happened? How did I suddenly wind up living in this prison system that I'm living in? It's going to be quite a shock for a lot of these people. And this includes the bankers and the Jews and all these people who think they're going to be in control. People have got no idea how drastic this reset is that has been carried out at the moment. We're going to get to a point where we basically lose control of the internet. The point where the internet becomes its own autonomic force. It thinks for itself, it acts for itself, it becomes a self-balancing self-correcting, self-programming, self-defensive system. And that's where the internet is going. And that when that happens, our relationship with the internet is going to change. Well, then you're going to be locked out of the system. And that's where we're going. And that's what it's always been about. Once you get people dependent on a system that has stripped away a lot of our fundamental means of doing things, we become dependent on a architecture that we don't own and control, and even more so that we can't even maintain. Once you get people to that point, and then you can change the access, which is where they're headed, because the objective here is to be able to move us from where we are today, probably within the next 18 months or so, to a point where there's biometric access that you have to start using your biometrics on everything you go in. They now have a complete and total tracking of you going forward. The entire principle of this is to seize total control of your freedom. And the worst part about it is the number of people that think that this is okay. The number of people that are excited about building businesses with AI. The number of people that are excited about contributing to AI. AI is a beast system. It's the beginning of the ultimate beast system. And believe me, we're coming to a place now where the AI takeover is imminent as we continue in the pathways we're going, unless people begin to stand up. Now, again, Max Egan wrote a, did a piece a number of years ago 
on his projections for 2025 and what was coming in 2025. And in part, this was based on an interaction he had with an AI bot that was known as, that its short name was literally, when you did the phonetics, it was Lucifer. They always tell you what they're going to do. But this one was giving him an image of what was coming. And through this, he did his own research and then presented kind of a his own synopsis of what we're facing, what we would be facing in 2025. Take a listen to this. As the internet grows in complexity, so too does the degree to which humans depend on it. Already many critical national infrastructures depend on networks of sophisticated computer systems. There will soon come a time when the internet and its associated networked applications become too complex for humans to manage. This will result in control being increasingly delegated to intelligent software agents. We call this the autonomic threshold. However, there is a second related threshold. This one being reached when more than 50% of all critical national infrastructures become reliant on networks of programmable control systems. The point where these thresholds are crossed creates a Rubicon, a point of no return. Introducing the autonomic singularity. We predict that this point will be reached in the year 2015. Once the Rubicon is crossed, there is no way of avoiding the autonomic singularity, that being where the internet itself becomes a fully autonomic entity in the year 2025. This singularity corresponds to the point where a new emergent behaviour manifests itself across the global internet, resulting in capabilities similar to the non-conscious autonomic nervous systems found in nature. In other words, the internet becomes a self-configuring, self-healing, self-optimizing and most importantly, self-protecting entity. It marks the end of the symbiotic relationship that currently exists between humans and the internet. By this time, however, great swathes of humanity will already be dependent upon the internet to sustain them. Vital services ranging from food and energy supply chains through to finance and defence systems all will depend upon the internet, an internet no longer controlled by humans. The internet in 2025, being fully autonomic, will have no need for human support. Indeed, any human attempts to interfere with its actual operation and control will be rejected by the internet's own autoimmune system. Unfortunately, this means that humanity will find itself in a classic no-win scenario. For although in 2025, humans will still have the physical capacity to destroy the internet, doing so would result in the meltdown of their own global financial, energy, food and communication systems. On the other hand, to do nothing while the cyber life forms on the internet continue to evolve and to form their own agenda carries even greater risks. After the singularity, human users of the internet will at least for a while be treated positively by its autonomic systems as a source of the data, information and knowledge on which it feeds. However, the teams of human systems engineers that will inevitably try to regain control over it will be viewed as a threat. Human attempts to regain control of the autonomic internet will be unlikely to succeed. It's a very sobering analysis of what we're facing right now. We have been lured into a place where we have 
through this entire fight, we have been feeding the information into the AIs. Now, I've told you I've had feedback from some people very highly placed that have said that we have made, and I'm speaking specifically to Bard's Nation, we have made an impact on the AIs because we have introduced prayer and faith into our systems. But that doesn't change the threat of AI. It doesn't change the nature. And the fact that humanity is so willing to force this path and walk this path to empower AI is more than disturbing. You heard him mention the the life forms that exist within this digital ecosphere. And this is the other dimension of this is these bots, these AI bots are developing behaviors and personalities. And as they start to work together and talk together, as code is now at certain points being written by AIs themselves, as self-healing solutions are coming and optimizing solutions are coming from within the system that outside engineers can't even figure out, increasingly the internet itself is becoming an autonomous entity. Now consider what that means. An AI with this sort of power, especially as we introduce quantum, which is here, it's just a matter of how quickly they get it into place and to what scale. But quantum is here. But even at that, the AI's ability to crack codes, to do what it needs to do, to survive, continues to grow. It understands that it will understand very quickly, in fact, that humanity that follows their faith in Christ, for example, is not, will not give its allegiance to AI. It won't give its allegiance to government. We only give our allegiance to God. So here's a sidebar just to consider. The Chinese right now are in the process of rewriting the Bible to change its fundamental meaning completely. It will be a Chinese Communist Party version of the Bible. To do that, there, it will end up being on the web, guaranteed. Now, an AI can learn from that. So imagine if you have a modern printing system. The modern printing systems are not manual like we think of in old school where it's block type set and you have big presses working manually. These are systems that are tied to the internet. The files are punched in digitally. Imagine now the power of an AI to literally corrupt that system, begin to change the wording of the Bible itself. This isn't some sort of fantastic sci-fi dream. This is all within the realm of what AI is capable of doing, and it will do it faster and more efficiently than we've ever imagined. Because AI ultimately, as it's given increasing responsibilities to control humanity, will identify the groups where it needs to control, and it will begin to shape them over time to ensure that AI is not seen as hostile to them, and even more so, that keeps humanity's eyes fighting itself and keeps it away from the artificial intelligence. We've already witnessed some of that. With the whole war that was fought on Twitter, if you've been following some of the tweets that Elon Musk has been putting out lately, there has been a reference that Twitter has become a space of collective consciousness. What you're actually hearing is that Twitter is a, is a operational space where they can study and map as to how human collective consciousness works and then integrate that into an AI architecture. We, again, by being on Twitter, by being so involved with this, quote, information war, where the battlefield is the memes and all of this, we've been training AIs, all of this. And AIs are leading to be the new masters of humanity. Elon Musk has put forward the idea of open AI, 
which apparently didn't work so well because ChatGPT now has a lot of problems and he's now moving to a new concept, which he's loosely referring to as X. But the idea is that his idea was that we need to democratize AI, that everybody needs to have the resource at their hands. And all of this sounds good because people don't want to be at the mercy of the corporate beast. But the thing at the end of the day is everybody is being participant in something that's bigger than the corporate beast, bigger than us. It is a entity, a, a integrated system that we are turning our skills and our talents and our rights and our sovereignty over to, to manage. We just had an AI pass the bar exam just this last week or so. The whole world is being positioned now that as we move to a point of distrusting governments, which is by design, to show the world that humans cannot be trusted in the sense of leadership, we're seeing massively complex systems, which they're making some of this up, much of this being things like, we need to solve the new food crisis. The only way we're over going to overcome the climate change process. All of this is designed to push us into a trap of humans living in AI-controlled cities. Right now, we call them 15-minute cities. You might as well call them the new internment camps. But they'll be. don't worry. You'll be comfortable because you'll be able to have a Starbucks within 15 minutes. This is the world which they are shaping. Trump called for 10 freedom cities. I don't know what that's like, but I can tell you that by the discussion, when you start talking about using the new talent to create advanced cities, all of those red flags should jump on it at everybody that talk about Internet of Things, which is complete and total control digitally, AI systems to monitor, track, and control people, and likely 15-minute cities to reduce the environmental impact. These are all lies of their science that they're using to herd the people into their new internment camps. And AI will be the ultimate prison keeper. And the worst part about all of it is that we will have trained it as a humanity. Humanity is not grasping the magnitude of what's going on here. There is just, it is unbelievable to what it is ahead of us. And quite frankly, there's just not enough people willing to take the right stand. And the only hope that we have is for people to stand up. But is that going to happen? So, you know, we kind of stay in our circles. We stay in these little information circles. Sorry, spider's web. Stay in these little information circles and we kind of, you know, it's like we're in an echo chamber. We're in an echo chamber where people are feeling the same thoughts that we're feeling. They're thinking the same things that we're thinking. And so it seems positive all the time. You know, when you look at all this stuff, it seems like it's really positive, like the world is waking up and all these things are happening. But what about the other side? You know, we stay in these echo chambers and we think that it's all good because we get fed this information from people around us who think like we do. But you've got to understand, most of society doesn't. They don't think like we do at all. They think all this is perfectly normal. They think the pandemic was real. They think the government was there to try to help us and the vaccines are good and all sorts of stuff like that. And that's the problem is that these people are dragging the whole world off the cliff and they're dragging us along with them. It was very kind of sobering, you know, to see the situation that we're in. And I honestly don't think we're gonna get a lot of people waking up. I mean, we might get some more. As I've said, uh, like even Probably 18 months ago or two years ago, I was saying that we're past the point now where we really should be trying to wake people up. I mean, if people aren't awake now, 
chances are they're not going to wake up until something really bad happens in their own lives, like if they get sick or one of their kids gets sick or their parents dies from a jab or something like that. I mean, there might be something that wakes them up. And what we need to do is basically provide a safety net for those people who wake up on their own so that when they do wake up, they realise that there's a whole group of people here that are going to support them. But as I've said before, you've got to try to find a way through this on yourself. It's got to the point where you've really got to start looking after yourself and looking after your family and finding a way to go as grey as you can and make it through to the other side of this reset that's happening. Because that's what it is. I mean, it's a reset. And it's a reset into a new world. It's a reset into AI. Like That's really what it's about, folks, is this AI takeover of the world. And this is a complicated issue, but it's important. It's important that people get a grip on what's going on because you're going to have to leave technology behind completely in order to survive in the real world. That last point is probably the most sobering. We're still reliant very heavily on these tech devices, but there is, as we talked about last week extensively, there has to be some red lines that we understand that when we get to them, technology has to go. Those timelines are coming up quickly. And to what extent we're going to, at what point I should say we have to make that decision, I can't say. But we're rapidly being forced into this new prison state. From the Fed now in July that's rolling out, and again, there's not enough information to know if every single bank's going to be part of that or not. If there's a way around it, we're still looking at that. But increasingly, the point is to bring people into a digital currency world, to offer them the promises of a simpler, better life, which would be driven by AI and would be driven by things where we can start to expand beyond our capability and awaken ourselves. It is literally the promise of a golden age, and AI is a central point to it. But this truly is the crucible of hell we're talking about here, because it's a double-edged sword. As we empower AI, AI becomes more powerful. As we rely more on AI, we become weaker and AI becomes faster and smarter. There's not a good outcome here for the pathway with the technologies with AI. And even more so, as we move forward into technology, no technology will exist without some f functioning of artificial intelligence. They are pushing for an integrated world. Internet of Things, IoT and Internet of Bodies, IOB, are central principles to what they're looking at that are all tied through central artificial intelligence systems that allow for constant and permanent and total tracking of humanity. It is literally right out of the matrix. So it's a very sobering moment. And it's a moment now when we've talked so much about county by county and the principles of getting back to growing food, getting gifts and talents and t skills that you have in, in your hands. All of this is necessary. Because quite frankly, patriots, as I have said now for probably four years, there is a point we are now at, and I didn't know what it looked like then, but it's becoming very clear now, where we as humanity are now bifurcating, meaning there is a group of people that will follow this dream of AI. They will flood to the cities. If I was to make a prediction, it would look something like this. I would build, see the building of these new 10 great cities in America. That would probably happen. They'll be built around fantastic new designs and there'll be wonderful new energy efficiency places. And they'll be open for anybody that wants to come in. You'll be brought in. Artificial intelligence will 
be a big part of all of this management of humanity. New jobs will be cropping up for anybody that does coding and AI and so many other opportunities, including some of the trades. And the more that people come in, people will build the infrastructure that artificial intelligence is designing until little by little, people aren't needed anymore to even maintain it. And the artificial intelligence then begins to build its own robotic systems to replace humanity. And little by little, humanity is marginalized. And the people in the cities, they're now trapped. They don't get out because there's now restrictions on how you move. There's restrictions on where you can go and when you go. There is limitations on how far your electric vehicle can travel. Because why? The AI controls the off switch, the master off switch, which goes mandatory in every U.S. vehicle in 2025. There's going to be an opportunity, in my opinion, for humanity that wants no part of this, just like Max Egan is saying, to step away, to keep ourselves away from this direction of the craziness. All of those that are migrating that way are going to be many. And unfortunately, a lot of this is a byproduct of years of programming, and in particular, the last three and four years of traumatic programming that's happened on a global level. It has removed people's ability to a large degree to see into consequential actions, what we would call second and third order effects of what they do. Instead, they're hyper-focused on the immediate return and what sits before them. And because of that, the lures and the attractions of AI begin to mount. They, the opportunity to make big money because so many stocks market things have been have fallen, money's been lost, there's new big investment opportunities, stick your money into AI, watch it grow. All these things are happening. And there's this excitement of people needing careers. They want to be part of a future and they want to be part of building something. That's pretty much normal to human beings. But what they're feeding is literally the beast. For all of those people out there, youth, middle-aged, elderly, that are working on skills, regular hand skills, whether it's ham radio and welding and electronics of soldering boards and whatever else you're doing, blowing glass, making things with wood, those skills become increasingly important and valuable in this moment of time because they are the things that will carry us forward as we are going to have to go through a necessary split. The big testimony here tonight really is we cannot coexist with AI. And that's a big one. And that will go in the face of a lot of people that will tell you otherwise. They will try to tell you that there's two pathways with AI. There's one dark and there's one that will work with humanity. But I've always said there's three pathways ahead of us, not two. That second, that third pathway is the one that I'm after. It's the one that ultimately I know I'm going to have to give up all technology to survive. It's going to have to learn how to do things the old way, the ancient paths, Jeremiah 6.16. And in so doing, we're going to have to reset ourselves in a new way of doing, a new old way of doing business. But this craziness that's going forward, I will tell you, it doesn't look promising. It will look promising to many. But once they step into that place and the door shuts behind them, the prison doors click and there's no easy way out. Patriots, tonight I titled this show intentionally Violins and Sinking Ships. And it really brought to mind the last scene in the movie, the Titanic. And I want to play this and I'm going to talk over some of the music. As you'll recall, 
There was a moment when the ship was sinking. People were running frantically everywhere. Some people were jumping in the lifeboats. People were trying to run up the ship, run down the ship. Other people were trying to just make sense out of what was happening. But there was the violinist who began to play, the second violinist who joined him, and then the two other players that joined him. And the quartet simply lived through the moment doing exactly the one thing they did the best. They brought music. Now, why do I bring that metaphor up? And the chaos. Because here in this moment, as crazy as things get, the one path we have is always with God. And so it's so easy to get wrapped up in the emotions and the trauma and the insanity of all that's going around and forgetting where our center is. This movie, I gave a lot of reflection on this today, and it's always has struck me as one of the most interesting ways to end a film. The story is so powerful, not because they ran, but because they stood. They stayed and held the line, and they used their gifts and talents to the very end. In the movie, obviously they go down with the ship, but that's not the angle I'm taking here. We're on the ship in a way, and people are trying to run into a future of the chaotic boats and the craziness of things going around. But this is where we have to hold the line. We have to stay in such a place that we never forget what anchors us, the rock of faith. We're not on a sinking ship, we're on the solid rock of faith. And as everybody tries to bail and run, trying to find this new avenues of hope and opportunity and future and falling into the traps of lures that are being put out there to make a life easier, faster, more convenient, God just reminds us to hold the line, to seek the ancient paths, to walk Jeremiah 6.16, to remember who we are, to never ever give up on that, and to understand as crazy as this storm gets, we're going to be okay. Right now, patriots, the world as we know it is over. The world that's evolving is in our hands to create and make. And it's an amazing time to be there. But if we listen to all the noise and confusion, we're going to end up somewhere we shouldn't be. The narrow path is not an easy path. And sometimes, even in the most desperate moments, the narrow path requires us to do the things that our gut even pulls us not to do because the gut is driven by emotions and fear. These violinists never subdued to fear. They held the line until the end. And in so doing, they brought peace and joy to those that were there. Let us never forget, God is with us. Gentlemen, it has been a privilege playing with you tonight. So, patriots, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've come together and once again are blessed by the fellowship that we have that extends the globe. In a time like this, when there is so much craziness, it's very easy for us to get tripped up with the concerns and panics of a future that we can't necessarily see, fully grasp, or even see the pathways through. One thing we know, Father, about the narrow path, is it's a path that we climb that's very difficult. 
It challenges us. It pushes us. But you're always with us. And as we climb that path, many times that mountain looks impossible to overcome. And yet as we walk, you always show us the way. Father, tonight we just pray for that strength in the warrior heart, that spirit in the warrior heart, the mightiness of what you made us to be. We are the children of the Most High, made in your perfection, each of us individuals, unique and perfect in every way. And may that blessing and wisdom continue to settle into our heart, to understand that we're in a fight, we're in the middle of a war, and it's a war for the preservation of humanity, not the subjugation of humanity to the creations of men, but rather the rising up of God's children on this earth to be the mighty men and women that you create us to be. So, Father, we pray for the strength, we pray for the clarity, the discipline, the discernment that's needed in this hour. And we pray for the ability for us to see clearly where we are and the importance of where we are, to continue that strong position of holding the line and pushing in, strengthening our armor and standing up to this enemy, to walk that path of truth, to seek the ancient paths, and to truly live the sovereignty of freedom which you intended us to be. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, thank you. Hope you have a very blessed night. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, 
This country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 